Hey, everybody. Before we start this episode proper, I just wanted to say that the Golden Geek nominations are up on Board Game Geek. So if you get a chance, we'd love if you head over to Board Game Geek and vote for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast, as well as all your favorite games that came out in 2020. If you don't know where it is, no worries. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Thanks, and now back to your regularly scheduled program. Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Hey, I'm Peter, and I'm here with Barrett. Yay, greetings. And Mike. Hi, hi, hi. And Colin. Hello, hello. And Steve. I'm actually here, guys, don't worry. <laughs> and Jason. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Hello and welcome to another episode of One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast. Woohoo! Woo! Yay! Yay! <laughs> and on this episode, we are going to talk about the best of the rest. So we, you heard episode one this past Wednesday. If you didn't, stop right now. Go listen to that one. There were a lot of laughs there. Then come back to this one right afterward. And we're going to talk about the ones that are getting closer to that top 50 now. So these are ones that probably more people are going to be part of, more people are going to like. So uh, exciting stuff. But before we get too far into it, Mike, you've probably got some Patreon supporters to uh, thank. I do indeed. So yes, uh, thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. You help us to keep the show running, defray the cost of the podcast, of buying games, of buying equipment, of going to conventions. Maybe someday we'll see. <laughs> hey, Gen Con is on. San Diego Comic Con is on. Origin. The air. They're coming back. All right. Um, but yes, uh, this week we're going to focus on three of our Patreon supporters. Uh, Caleb Wiles, who's a co-op fan. Thank you, Caleb. Rich Hickey, who is a co-op lover. Thank you, Rich. And of course, Philip- Rich Hickey is a po- as a co-op lover. I mean, yes, that, that, yeah, yeah. He was actually a co-op fan, but you bumped him up to co-op lover because of the name. Yes, did it. And then uh, Philip Winstead, also a co-op lover. So uh, thanks to the three of you, and again, thanks to all of our supporters, everyone who's uh, reviewed us on Apple or wherever you listen to the podcast, who subscribed to our streamed channel, subscribed to our other YouTube channel. Yeah, just uh, thanks to everyone for supporting the channel. We we really appreciate it. All right, so we are the One Stop Co-op Shop. We have a lot. We have YouTube. We have podcasts. We have a Discord. Please join us in Discord. You can find the link in the show notes for Shelf Stories on the YouTube and also on the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. If you go there and you go to the podcast tab, well, go to all the tabs because there's conversation happening all the time at all hours of the time oh, uh, yeah. with, with Steve and Mike and everybody else are moderating. Oh, but if you go to the podcast tab, you will see the entire spreadsheet, Top 100 Co-op Games, all six of our individual lists, our top 100 lists, as well as an aggregated list, which is where I'm pulling these games from. So what we wanted to do with this series of episodes, as uh, Peter was mentioning, over these two parts is talk about the best of the rest. Talk about the games that did not make top 50. And if anybody, anybody out there who complained to us about games missing the list, chances are we are going to catch them in one of these two episodes. A couple of the really egregious misses, quote unquote, for people are going to appear in this episode. Last episode, you got a lot of me and Mike and Barrett. This episode, you are going to get a lot of Peter and Steve and Colin. So that's how hey, remember when I said go listen to last week's episode? Never mind. Don't do this that. is the better one. <laughs> Waste of time. And we are going to start with Peter right here. This one, you rate. I think between you and uh, Mike, you rated this pretty highly. But you, uh, you wrote this a little bit more high. So I'm going to throw this one to you. A lighter game, two player co op, Fox in the Forest duet. Yeah, no, I, I love trick taking. And if you love trick taking, I, I mean, there's only two co op trick takers out there, right? It's this and the crew. 
And the crew was up on our top 50. And I think for two players, though, this is where I'd go. This is a better trick taker for two. I like the special powers. All the odd cards have special powers. All the even cards don't. So it plays a little bit with it. But it's interesting because you're doing it in kind of a cooperative way. And so you got to figure out how to like set your partner up is really what it is. It's, it's really about setting your partner up to make the best play and figuring out what cards are already missing and what cards you can do because you're getting close to the end now. So the way it works is there's this like crystal in the middle that you're, or this pawn in the middle that you're moving up and down this track, trying to catch the crystals along the way. And as you get toward one end, you know, that's where you're going to start losing life. And then it sends you back to the middle. So as you get closer and closer, as one person's winning more and more tricks, now you got to figure out a way to let the other person start winning tricks. And it's just a really interesting puzzle between two players. So much better trick taker for two than the crew is. I mean, it's not even close. The crew is great at three and four, but if I'm going to play a two-player trick-taking game, this is going to be it. And I love trick-taking games. So, I mean, it's certainly going to be on my list. And the original Fox and the Forest is good too. Like, I mean, they're both good. And then uh, it depends on what you want. If you want that competitive game, then, you know, I actually use Fox and the Forest, the regular one, as like a warm-up, like a, a let's play a quick game before mm. everybody else shows up. And, you know, and and it's a good game. It's like, it's, a, it's an actual game. It's not just like, you know, it's kind of tiddlywinks. So Duet was less popular because I just feel like two-player co-op is not a rich space, you know, two-player only co-op, which should be more. We'll get to that. I have an episode coming up on two-player co-ops in a little bit. But if you're going to play one, it is going to be Fox and Forest Duet. Has anyone else on the panel played this game? I have. Yeah, I mean, I... You, uh, I Colin, have it. You, it didn't appear on your list at all. Not impressed? No. I mean, it was good, but it wasn't good enough to keep it. We figured out how to beat it pretty quickly, and then I just moved it on. I mean, it was, okay. so it was good. Is solvable, it, it is kind of yeah. solvable once you can no. get to know things. I mean, with I, the same I, person. I, I did not find that at all. <laughs> okay. Maybe person. it's with the same person. And that right. was my wife. And we've played, we play 500, which is a trick-taking game, all the time that's competitive. Oh, yeah. So we know how to, you know, the sloughing, how all that. And we know how we work, right? So it's just so easy. I would just look at her and like, oh, she's playing the five of clubs. I know it. And so then, boom, we, we'd win it every time on the hardest difficulty. So then I just passed it on. It was still good, okay. but it just wasn't for me. I mean, Mike's also the guy that beats five minute dungeon on the highest difficulty level with no problem with his wife. You mean uh, Colin or Colin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I did it! I did it! It's not just me. Oh no, that wasn't a matter of not knowing who I was talking about. That was just me mixing up the names. But uh, no, because I was thinking I was, that's that's what Jason does. Do I do? No, no, Jason doesn't even know my name. If I cover no, when, my when name, I played over up, here, it's an accident. When you yeah. mess up, you're a bastard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly that's what it is. But no, I was going to say, Mike, when he had come over here, he hadn't. I don't think you had won that game, right? And then we won it the first time. And <laughs> so, yeah, the, I mean, I just, if you're good at trick-taking games, I think you're right. I think it's a little bit easier if you played a lot of trick-taking games. Not good at. That's a relative term, of course. But uh, yeah, if you yeah. played a lot of trick-taking, I do think it's pretty straightforward and pretty easy. All right. Uh, so we are going to get now. Uh, so that was our number 91 overall. So we we're starting to inch into the top 100. And again, uh, Peter and Mike uh, rated these uh, fairly highly. Now we're going to get to Baron's last two games that we're going to be talking about. So first, this one got an assist from Mike. And I know you like, I know Mike likes this game, but Barrick is the edge over here because he likes a little bit more. There is um, no way Mike and I liked a game together. <laughs> I, I, I'm just I'm surprised too. <laughs> so you can't guess what it is? The one game that you two would both like. It is not a it is not a minis based campaign game. I know what it is. It's got chips. No, it does not. Are you kidding me? Do they have too many bones? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. You said you hated bones. it. Never no. mind. 
Detective City of Angels. Oh, oh that was the awesome! <laughs> high five, Barry. <laughs> high five, high five. This is true. We both like this game. This yeah. game is really fun, but I think I also like this whole genre. This is the best one of the three. Yes. Uh, but Detective, actually, all, I think if you look at my list, Detective is like one or two below it. It's not too much farther down because I really enjoyed that one too. Now, I think we played this one different than you, Mike. Didn't you play it kind of solo and then use the sleuth mode more when you started playing it? No, it, it depends. I've played some cases co-op. I've played some cases solo and then running through others where I was the chisel, like the kind of That's competitive aspects. So yeah, I've done different things. Yeah, this game is amazing. It's it, I've only played a cooperative. It's the only way to play it. We have an absolute blast. You get this book, you pass it around, you're reading, and you're actually taking on like the different people and having your own voices and stuff for these people because basically you're trying to solve a crime and you have these cards laid out in front of you and you have to go to these different places or talk to these different people and try to either interrogate them more, which means you can mm-hmm. get out more information or you they might not want to, or you've got the information and then you actually get hurt by this ability and you can't actually interrogate them more later on if something comes back around to ask him a question about it there's this, like this card about this big there's a bunch of numbers and stuff on it and just like it's basically just a oh i'm at this spot and i'm going to look at this thing so then you just match it up and read the number out of the book and then, then you have to figure out basically the crime by the end of a certain amount of time limit and we solved every one and we had a fantastic time doing it it was a really fun experience going around city of angels we bought both expansions we played through those those were fun too and it's just fun all right <laughs> Mike, you also like this game a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything Baron said. It's out of like the kind of detective, Chronicles of Crime, Consulting Detective, City of Angels is my top one out of those like four kind of whodunit uh, games. And that that is partially because it's so great solo and so great competitive. So I wouldn't say it's just the co-op that kind of pushes it to the top. But I love that interrogation. Like, I don't know if any of y'all played. Oh, what was that video game? It's no you would, What is it? It's noir. LA, LA noir. LA yeah, noir. LA noir. Exactly. Like it gave me that same kind of vibe, except I think better, like more cohesive. LA noir got kind of wonky sometimes. And then they tried to add on some Rockstar games, car driving for no dang reason. But no, it's a good game. I won't say anymore because I know these episodes are going long. <laughs> really? I have a lot to say about LA noir, but we're going to be here a while. <laughs> and, and another thing about City Angels, it has a campaign. All the stories actually do kind of inter- yeah, like they, they intersect. You can like play they, them they separately, but like also a reoccurring character might come back, yeah. in position, which is kind of cool. So they make the world technically kind of feel alive as you play through it. Yep. I've only not, I've not played it. So I know if I play it, it would, it would make a list. So, it, and I've it. not played it cooperatively. I don't know who Mike's been playing with, but uh, my, my family, I know dude. I don't want to play with you. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Yeah. Well, and by the time I would play with you, you would have already played through all the missions solo anyway. I'll so there's no way I could play it with you. All right, so that was Detective City of Angels. Limited release. I don't think it has a retail release, which is why it's a little bit harder to kind of to, to track down, but it's it's out there. It's floating out there somewhere. Van Ryder uh, so Games is, is a good company, though. We like Van Ryder Games. <laughs> <laughs> Another Van Ryder Games is going to be showing up real soon. All right, so now we have Bear's Last Game, highest rated. I For some reason, I have this game as a decently rated game in my 70s. Um, <laughs> I was I was generous. <laughs> Oh, lady. <laughs> Mike is showing off the vendor award the <laughs> from Van Ryder Games, quality on the one-stop co-op shop. Van Ryder Games, Van Ryder fantastic Games. company. Go buy their games. We love Van Ryder Games. <laughs> All right. So uh, so this game is, I wouldn't count this as a glorious disaster, though, although some would. It is a, a, a polarizing game. A new kind of iteration of the game is coming, which should kind of clean up a lot of things. Oh, but mm-hmm. we're talking about the previous version which came out a couple of years ago. It actually kickstarted around the same time as Gloomhaven. 
So like way long ago, another one of those games that wasn't quite done <laughs> when it was kickstarted. So some things happen along the way, but I'm referring to Seventh Continent. Yep, Seventh Continent. That, again, really fun game. I've done two playthroughs on my channel alone. And they. I think one of the things people don't like is you just don't have that, where am I going? Like, it's always the like- driving like, thing. Yeah, like, like, okay, go there. I know you can flip over the card. And I know we've joked about this before, where was it Peter that went on a mission all over the place and had no idea where to go because he never flipped the card over to find a little map on the back, which was pretty funny. But- uh, In my defense, we played four players. It was in a bar. And the person teaching us the rules goes, don't worry, I'll teach you the rules as we go. And just started guiding us through. And we got off the first island. We're like, all right. And they're like, do you want to go north, northeast, or northwest? We're like, because <laughs> we didn't have a map, right? The person never showed us the card. They, they're, everybody's like, oh, you, it says right here, flip over the card. and do. I'm like, I never saw the card. How am I supposed to know to flip it over? Like, I didn't see any of that stuff. So, yeah, I, I liked the game for the first hour and a half. But, yeah, no. Uh, then, it, then it started spinning out of control a little bit. So but that wasn't the game's fault. Right. It's 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 a adventure game where sadly it's not you're cursed. You have to get rid of this curse. There's multiple curses in this game that you can go on and try to complete. And it takes you through different parts of the seventh continent. And depending on you kind of have to figure out the riddles of what this curse is in order to figure out where you're going. I really have only won one of the curses and I've been on about three or four of them. But to me, that's kind of the adventure. And again, it comes to my concept of if I die and lose in a game, that's totally fine i had a great time doing it where some people might want to win all the time and it's this isn't going to be and there's been a time where i went on a tangent for probably two hours and I don't want to win i just want to have agency yeah like I, I don't want to have to like my two hours is dominated by trying to fish my way up into you know some semblance of health so that i can open up this thing and have all the health taken away by a random snake bite like <laughs> And I actually rated this game pretty highly because in terms of open a open world survival, this game does open world survival pretty good. I happen to think Tainted Grail does a little bit better. So Tainted Grail kind of a little bit higher for me. Another like open world kind of flawed experience because a lot of grind, right? Yeah, and that's what you get with these open world with these games. It's just it's a lot of grind. You got to find those hunting spots. You got to do well in the hunting spots. That's the only way you're going to survive in this game. And that's really what Seventh Continent is. Find one hunting spot, get to another hunting spot or a fishing spot to try to keep your adventure moving forward. And I can see where that is probably some turnoffs to a few people that didn't really enjoy the game. When they did their Up, Up and Away expansion, I actually really enjoyed that one. I actually flying around this hot air balloon was awesome. And the cool thing about it was as I'm flying around this hot air balloon, I'm seeing this card below me and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go land there. And I go land there like, oh, I've been to this card before. This is cool. So returning to different parts in different <laughs> quests and different curses is really cool. I'm like, oh my gosh, I know where this is. Over here is a campground. I know this because I've been here before. So I don't know. I really like coming to the continent over and over and re-experiencing things. And sometimes you're pulling from a set of cards that's like this thick. So you never know which one of those cards you're going to get. So the experience does kind of change as you go. But your goal is to complete this curse. It's the only goal you have. So that's that's really the game. You get a curse, you put on a tile, you've got to move around using a small action deck. And that action deck is smaller and smaller. And eventually you'll die by pulling a curse. There are already pre-built ways of not dying. You can reshuffle it or you can just play the exploring yeah. mode where you don't even use it. So it's however you want to play this game. It's I really enjoy it. My wife and I have played it. We really had a good time playing. I put on my channel, like I said, twice. First time I even did it co-op, myself playing both. But still, it was two people walking around. And sadly, I did find the co-op was less 
splitting up and more going together. But I do like the fact that even if you did split up, they did have a mechanic where you only had to pay one card to come running back to the other person. So they did at least build a couple things pretty cool for co-op. One of those games that kind of evolved as it went. So like when it first landed, it was, was, there was some stuff, but then, you know, they have like save points they put in later and, you know, like, uh, like Baron was saying, like the transport, like, how do you have a game that's open to world exploration where you have no real way to transport from place to place? So they they did a lot to kind of fix it. And then Mike did a preview for Seventh Citadel, the follow-up, which cleans up all even more. I'm very excited about that one because I was a big fan of Seventh Continent. It wasn't on my list because I only played it solo, but super excited about Seventh Citadel. And you too, right, Baron? Didn't you go in on that oh, one? My gosh, that is it, it will it'll probably crack top ten when yeah. I get it. I don't see why it wouldn't. From what we played, we both played that you, yeah, you and I both played the you. I got your demo, didn't you? Yes, I, I sent you my demo. <laughs> That's right, and I, I played it too, and I really liked. And I did not like Seventh Continent, and I thought a lot of the things I didn't like were better in Seven Citadel for sure. So I'm even excited about playing that one. Uh, Steve, you ever take a look at Seven Continent? As a survival guy, aren't you like the survival guy on the channel? <laughs> yeah, I was very interested in this at the time, but like you said, this was during a time of, it was Sword Sorcery, Gloomhaven, and Seventh Continent were all <laughs> on Kickstarter at the same time. It's like, oh my gosh, I want all of these games right now. And it's just like, anyway, long story short. But what I wound up doing instead is when Colin was to go into the playthrough channel, I was actively helping with that and, and providing content. So I was, I was seeing a lot of what was going on behind the scenes. So yeah, technically I wasn't playing the game, of course, but I got a gist of how, how it played there. And um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is something I would really like in that sense, just because I like survival games and I love open world, but the agency thing kind of bothers me a little bit. Right. So. so that was Seventh Continent. Uh, I have a feeling it'll get pushed out and obliterated by the next iteration. So. Uh, okay, we're going to bring Steve back. And Steve, you're, get get ready, Steve. Dr- I hope you drink that dig of water because you got a lot of games coming. So the next game you love, it is your fourth game overall. I believe that is Peter helping out with the rating over here. But for the most part, this is your baby, Marvel Legendary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this Ooh. game has... It's interesting. Like, the core game now, I would not recommend. Like, if you play this core game, it's not worth it. Just skip over. Don't Don't bother. However... The game has evolved over the years, and it's continually gotten better. And at this point, there are – I lost track. I'm not sure. It's close to 150 heroes in the game right now. It's insane how many heroes. A bajillion 52. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and I, I think someone did a, a calculation of how many different combinations of setups you can have in the game. It's like in the trillions. So, like, yeah, you will never play the same game twice in this. And But, like, for me, the thing I like about this game is, one, I'm a sucker for Marvel IP, for one. But two, the main thing that gets to me is exploration. I like games where I can explore what the game has to offer. And with all these different combinations and all these different mechanics that work together, I've seen like I've seen this hero. I see I kind of know how they play. But now there's other heroes in the game and they have a really interesting interaction that I never saw before. Now this card with this new scheme, how the whole the whole game comes together, plays very differently now. And that is just really fun. And there's a lot of community support for this. There's leagues going on all the time, everywhere. In fact, one of the other streamers I've been talking to, uh, Big Top Games, I recommend checking out his stream because he does, he streams twice a week, I think, on this. And he's doing his own league on that. And it's, it's a lot of fun to, to join in and, and just have fun with the game. And not only do they have a lot of heroes, they have a lot of heroes two or three times. If you like Wolverine, be prepared to play 57 different versions of Wolverine. 
because they got it. That is for sure. I I think it's it might be possible. I'm not sure, but like you play with five heroes in the hero deck, you may be able to play a game with only Wolverine in that deck. I think you can oh. probably do it. Oh yeah, no, I'm pretty <laughs> sure easily. So. Yeah, you could do a Spider-Man Venom thing, like just them two. You could do like there's it just oh, gotten yeah. to the point, or like um like like the noir expansions, like you have noir Hulk and regular Hulk, and oh yeah, you can do all you can do all that stuff. I detest this game. I think this game is is awful. I've never had a good time. It just I always every single time will something will come. And I know the later expansions or the later iterations kind of tiered the decks. So like you don't get like the big massive seven you know attack thing that comes out immediately, but like every time I've played that big card comes out and it's like wait whoa okay and now we have to put it away again. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good on Marvel Legendary. But it's one of those things where it's like if you played early, then it's probably crappy. But if but if you lasted through the iterations and the corrections, then you probably have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've already talked about it. I think Legendary Encounters for me is a little bit better system just because there's more cooperation in it, right? That's Mm -hmm. the one thing. And I don't know, Steve probably knows better than me whether they've started adding that into the Marvel Legendary system. But that was the big thing for me that was missing was there wasn't a lot of co-op. You're doing your own thing. And I I like what the Legendary Encounters did to make it more cooperative. But I mean, I think the system is good. I enjoy it. Yeah, there's not not a lot of cooperation there. The cooperation is mostly like because I play with my wife a lot. It's our most played game, I'm pretty sure. And I've played this game, I don't know, 150 times or something like that. I don't know. I'll check. But like, it's more of like, Kim, I'm going to have you, you're building up with this type of attack to take out the boss. I'm going to work on us not losing to the scheme because basically how it works is you got a boss you have to kill, but they've got their own plot and you can mix and match how it works. And that part of cooperation is fun where like, okay, I know you're going for this here. I'll leave that card for you. I'm going to take the hit to try to deal with the scheme. And so that's, that's where the cooperation is. I wish it was more, like you said, uh, Peter. They do have the mechanics, like coordination in Legendary mm-hmm. and, a, and a bunch of other keywords. In fact, if you don't like keywords, avoid Legendary because you'll get <laughs> keyword death for sure. So, but otherwise, it's a fantastic game. I love it. The source, the board game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, Fox and Forest was 91. Detective was 88. Seventh Constable, 87. So, we're getting some pretty de- uh, decent clusters there. Uh, Marvel Legendary, 85. So, now we're going to go to Colin. Colin, you have three straight games on here. Just how it worked out. These, these are all games you rated very, very highly. And I backed you up on two of them. And not the third. Oh, my God, the third. Um, <laughs> but the, the these two games, we both enjoy. And I think that it, I think we're, we're kind of alone on a little island with these two. Uh, the first one, speaking of deck builders, is Shadow Rift. Shadow Rift, great game. So the uh, <laughs> how Shadow Rift works is you <laughs> For are... For those on the podcast listeners, uh, we, we see some shaking of heads. <laughs> how Shadow Rift works is you are deck building. So you all start with a basic deck of cards. Uh, you don't have any special ability when you start off. That's actually one of the things I wish you did. Uh, you start off with your basic set of cards. And you are protecting a town, but that town actually matters because the town are, you've got 10 cards that start in your town and they're uh, folk, town folk, and they'll all give special abilities to either you or your teammates. And you can use them to help your team, but also those blasted enemies will come and kill them and turn them into corpses. And soon, if ever your town is full of corpses, that's how you lose the game. Now you can win the game in two ways. 
One is by building enough walls around your actual town so that the enemies can no longer get in. And I think I've won that way once. I was about uh, to so, say that, that yeah. there, there's not two ways to win this game. There's okay. one way there's to win it. I have, I have, <laughs> there is plenty of wall victories. I love building the town. That is, I, I, I mean, you may you love it, but you're not going to win that you, way. <laughs> and if you go towards, like, if you do a heavy money strat, it's actually fairly easy. And see, Jason's played even more than I have. And yet I still love it. And then the other way is sealing the shadow rifts and those shadow rifts are equal to the amount of players in the game. And as they come out of the enemy deck, you can seal them. You have to have a seal card to do it. And if you do that, you can win the game. There's also an Archfiend expansion, which after you do that, then you fight a big boss at the end, which is really fun too. And I do recommend that if you do like the game. What I like about it and what's unique about it is that I actually care about the town that I'm protecting because That's the town the that I'm protecting- the only reason this game is, yeah, is good. yeah. Because the town that I'm protecting is giving me abilities. And when I lose those abilities, not only am I losing the ability, but I'm also going to lose the game because how you lose is not about me as the hero. My hand can be full of wounds and whatever, and I can still deal with it. But if my town is full of corpses at the beginning of a turn, done, I'm done. And so I just think that that theming was really good. And I really enjoy that. And I appreciate it. The cooperation is there. The The heroism is fun. The heroism is fun because instead of you getting rid of the cards from your deck, what they do is they let you draw more cards. Mm -hmm. So your heroism cards, and you can also buy prowess cards that let you draw more cards. So it's more, it's more of a game where you're, you're always going to have your base set of cards and then you're just going to get more and you're going to draw more and more and more cards. So then you just become more powerful that way. But yeah, overall really like it. My wife likes it. I like it. So it's it's a great one. I play this game with Peter and Mike at PAX. It went okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. Well, okay. It's fine. It's a little long. It's fine. Mm, right. mm, it, yeah. It's a, it is a, like in terms of like tight design, I wouldn't say this is a tightly designed deck builder in the slightest. It could be a mess and it could, you could get, you know, hosed and the, the enemy deck could come out and it's like, wow, you know, like speaking of like Marvel legendary, like, you know, a, a random enemy could come out. You can get a, a combination of cars that just really is, is crap. However, it, it does the most to create emotional investment through the town deck. Like, and that's, that's what I play games for. I play games to be emotionally invested. And like when the child is murdered by some random mm-hmm. marauding. Mo- <laughs> yeah. And then you can somehow get them back with, I don't know, like the, and you use the grave to get rid of the corpses. And one thing I forgot to say, it is simultaneous too. So it makes it a little bit faster. The game itself is long. You got a lot of rounds and I will agree with that, especially, especially when you're playing uh, in those shadow wrists or at the end of the decks, right. I can be long, but you all play together simultaneously. So that's where you cooperate. So you can attack an enemy and like, oh, if you attack at first, then I can use this attack and I'll gain a coin and coins are cooperative. We can all, we all share coins and then we can use the coin to help buy this card, which will go into your deck. And yeah, there's lots of that cool stuff that you can do in the game. And I do love, it's not often that you have a cooperative deck builder that's simultaneous. We like it and we're, we're alone, Colin. That's okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I like my island. It's, it's a cool right. island. It's yeah. the most it's not it's the, the seventh most thematic island. story-based deck builder. <laughs> I had a good time. We, I played it with Colin at uh, Gen Con, I think. Yep. I had a good time with it. I thought it was really cool. I just, I've only played it once, so I couldn't. Well, agree. we didn't even finish yeah. the game because then Peter I, yeah, showed up. Yeah, because, because it's long. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> because it's long. <laughs> I know not long. I played a 29 video seventh continent campaign. Come on. Yeah, yeah. This is not long compared to that. <laughs> no, you're right. It's not. All right, so the next Colin special, and I love this game as well, and I'm wondering if anybody else has played it, is Orleans with the Invasion expansion. Yes. Okay, so Orleans is actually a competitive Euro, but the expansion, yes, right over there, 
It's called Orleans Invasions, and it comes with a co-op scenario. Now, the only thing I wish is it had more than one scenario that was co-op. That does have three solo snares, which are fun, but you can kind of puzzle them out and figure them out. And once you yeah, do- Yeah, they're, they're like practice. Yeah, you're not going to play them again, right? But they're still fun, and they can teach you how to play the basic game. It is a bag builder. When you're playing the cooperative invasion aspect of the game, you have 18 rounds or 19, depending upon the player count. And you're trying to complete all of these objectives, and you can work together to do it. So you're going to be placing knights up on the castle to protect the castle. You're going to be putting out town posts that will protect the area. You need to stock up for food, stock up money, all of this stuff, all the Euro-y stuff that you're doing, you know, generating resources, blah, blah, but you're doing it cooperatively, which is really fun. And for some reason, it is, I think I've played it 52 times and I've played only the invasion. Can you believe that? But it's because wow. I've taught so many new people the game and it gets them into Euros because yeah. when you start with somebody with a Euro, they have too many options. They don't know what to do. You can help them in a cooperative game and, and they're like, oh, this is cool. And then you can play other games with them. And so I also have all the really nice bits. And so they're like, oh, this is an actual piece of wine. This is cool. Here's some cheese, you know? <laughs> and so it looks really cool on the table and it plays very fast. I'd say it takes almost as long to set up as it takes to play it. But when you play it, it's, you know, quick 18 rounds, you're drawing your workers, place them on your board, you get more workers, you get some stuff and you try and get it all done before the end of the 18th round. And it says invasion. It's not an invasion. It's like, no. it just puts stuff on another board. That's what yeah. it <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the setting is an invasion. The theme is more Euro. But I think it's an elegant design. I think it's, it's a really good back builder and it's a, it's a delight. I love this game. I really do. I've only played it once. I played Orleans quite a few times. I've only played the co-op game once and I thought it was fine. It should have been on my list. Honestly, it probably would have knocked out certainly some of the ones at the bottom of my list if I had played it more. The um, that you have on there. <laughs> I mean, look, I was scraping. I was scraping <laughs> hey, to get to the bottom. You know, when Root was down there, we talked about that last week, which is not have even a cooperative mode. I only put it in there because it's a good game. But no, I mean, the cooperative mode's garbage in it. Yeah, you know, when that's at the bottom of my list, Orlean could have been in there. I just totally forgot about it. So that was Orleans. And now the, the game that Colin, I, I have no idea. There's, there's so many other better games than this. Good luck. Hmm. But you got a backup from Mike over oh, here. Hellboy? Wait. Not Hellboy. Hell- uh, we'll, we'll I never one. played that one. I just, I just uh, gave the game a home for a few days and then sent it on to somebody else. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, Pathfinder. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. No, I know. And Bear's giving the thumbs down, but he hasn't played Pathfinder with me. Okay. We can switch that around to a thumbs up. Hey, Steve, let's go. Come on. You you are not going to change my mind on Pathfinder. I've played the game way too many times. It's awful. Second edition, second edition core set is definitely better. You've got a short version of the game. I would never recommend playing the long version. The short version makes it so it's not nearly as long. And that campaign of slowly building up that deck of your cards as you play is so much fun and how you can become unique and you can adjust your dice and adjust all of your different stats. It's like a mini RPG without that boring story part that Baron likes, you know, it's just instead the... <laughs> they you know, took all that blessings. story and they give you six decks full of random crap. So it's like you go into so like you're you're entering the dungeon and it has like a hanky. You pull over a card that's like a match <laughs> a really cool hanky. And then, they left it there. Okay. Do you have a problem with that? And it's a and card. That, that you, hang, you that hanky brings my whole to your hand. It brings it, my whole deck together. And now I can totally a, destroy the dragon with the, the hanky. Awesome man. hanky. Yeah, it's a great hanky that wins it all. Oh. <laughs> 
I'm telling you, I, you know, I would not, it, it would overstays its welcome. That's why you play the short version of the game because more of it is about seeing your character grow and yeah. those random hankies that you find. It's super fun. And then when you get them in your hand and the manipulation of your deck. So just so people understand the game, you have your own unique 15 cards in your deck. And as you're playing, you'll be using them, but most of the times you'll be burying them or putting them at the bottom of your deck to activate them. And if ever your deck runs out of cards, you're dead and you're dead, you're done. So you need to make sure to manage those cards and have ways to recover them, have ways to, well, you can bury it instead of discarding it, all of those different things. And so a lot of that fun is the manipulation of the cards in your hand. It comes down to a dice roll, but you've got ways that you're adding pluses because of your stats that you have, you've upgraded throughout the campaign. But you do it over and, and over and over and over and over and that sword you got in mission one you're still using on mission five over and over and over again and the way you oh i I got this healing potion oh it was really cool the first 27 times i did it by the 57th (laughs) time i'm using the same damn healing potion peter you you don't actually know what you're talking about though because you haven't played beyond like three or four sessions so you haven't actually seen the scope of a campaign and what Colin is (sighs) talking about so i i agree with a lot of your complaints Set up I have sucks. played through the entire Rise of the Rune Lore set through the app because the app yeah. is actually pretty good. But the, then the, I came the, to my senses. The whole thing. So again, the new core set is what Khan and I are recommending. It vastly speeds up leveling up. You never have a single scenario where you aren't getting cool new stuff each time. Yes, I mean, it's you can actually game. share loot at the end. Remember, yep. you couldn't share loot in the other. You can share loot at the end. So if I find something cool and I do end up keeping it somehow, then I can give it to you and yep. you can put it in your deck. I mean, it's definitely better. Is it an amazing game? No. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's, it's okay. And I still enjoy it. And I enjoy that light, you know, beer and pretzels game once in a while. But I won't play with Baron apparently. So no, you <laughs> I, I, I love how Baron is complaining about a game being repetitive. Oh, my gosh. It's, my wife and I played quite a bit of this game. And by the end of it, she's like, what are we doing now? I don't know. Just rolling a 20-sider for a fight test. Just do it again. Just, oh, there's another one. Roll a 20-sider for a fight test. Good work. Right. Oh, look. You get lockpicking tools. Oh, you're not a thief. You need to roll like a, a 20 on a four-sider. Oh, well. Yeah. So like that. <laughs> <laughs> now let's go to the next one. Oh, it's a guy. Oh, we're going to fight him. Okay, here's a fight test. Uh, roll a 20-sider. I mean, <laughs> that's all it came to it over and over and over. We got to lock the deck. Oh, crap. The guy ran to the other deck. That's fantastic. No, you're oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, another hour. Here we go. Another hour. Healing <laughs> yeah. potion. Guy, kill him. Droid test. Pathfinder. Pathfinder, ladies gentlemen. It's a great game. Don't listen to any of them. You can actually enjoy it. All right. So we're going to bounce over to Peter this time. Let's just keep room games. We got one more for you. Which one haven't we talked about yet? It's Exit. Exit. R68. Yeah, no, I, I love all the escape room games. I mean, I'm not going to repeat it over and over. Uh, they're probably my favorite genre of games. If I had one that I would just give away every other genre a game for, if they came out faster and faster, I would just keep playing them more and more. I mean, I buy every single one that comes out and I just enjoy it. Exit for me was a little below unlock. Exit, I think, probably has better puzzles. It depends. I think Unlock's gotten a lot better with their puzzles, but Unlock has a much better story and much better cohesion. But I like some of the uh, puzzles with Exit. Sometimes I think they don't work or like they're getting too clever for themselves. Like just the physical pieces don't fit together right. I don't know how people make it look like what you're supposed to make it look like. So that's the only thing that knocks it down. Again, you know, I'm I'm picking nits here between uh, Unlock and Exit. So for me, that's why Exit falls a little bit lower. But I think people who like physically manipulating puzzles, cutting things up, are going to like this one more. Now, as with all the Escape Room games, I, I, I still say, even though I said Dexcape, 
Keep was good with more. I still think they're low player count games. I think two to three is probably the best for all of these. Even at three, when I've played it, I felt like half the time I wasn't involved. So I really do think two is a magical number for a lot of these escape room games. And I think Exit's one of the best of them. And Colin and Barrett both agree. <laughs> Barrett gives a thumbs up. He's not talking anymore because we ran out of like glorious disaster game for him. <laughs> it thumbs up. Yeah, I, I, my wife and I enjoy him. We do only just play the two of us for all the different unlocked exits. All those we just play more than the two of us. They're lots of fun. We have a good time. I'm so jealous of your wife game players. You guys can kiss my butt. Come on. <laughs> we are my wife will be over caught here. dead playing any of this stuff. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to get to 67 now. This one is me and Colin again. I took the lead on this one. And at some point, Colin, we do need to hop on an episode and talk about this one. Good with that. All what right. is it? Commission. <laughs> what was it? I missed it. Commission. Co- commission. Oh, yeah. That is a great one. It's an outstanding reverse pandemic mm-hmm. uh, style concept. So instead of like taking the cubes and, you know, they're bad and you have to get rid of them, you are, the, the cubes are converts and you're spreading, you know, Christianity across the scripture, right? You know, so you're playing the book of Acts from the Pentecost, which is the event of Jesus kind of like blessing the disciples and spreading out over the ancient Roman world. So you're, you're talking Rome, Jerusalem, and it's, it's but, it, you know, so there's a lot of like, you know, history there, but like, you know, Christianized history, they tell the story like very simply putting the Bible together and all that stuff, but it's a really good game. It's a really, it's, it's a, uh, as a game, it's really good. It's good strategy and tactics. It's good, a light, light deck building very light deck building and family friendly. So it's, it's, I wouldn't even call it a deck builder. It just has deck building elements. Really, It's really just like, you know, spraying these cubes. And everything about this package is just delightful. I, I love commissioned. And the call is coming. The call is the expansion, which is adds a little bit more kind of like heavier deck building and gameplay and that kind of thing. So I definitely enjoy this. I actually at church will play this with people at church. And I taught them this before pandemic because I knew this would connect with them thematically more than pandemic. Of course, now pandemic connects with everyone, uh, but uh, <laughs> yes! yeah, it was right. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's what I love about it is that it's just as simple as pandemic with just one little twist. And that's those deck building aspects. And I love that. And I love the idea of gaining those additional cards, to be able to do those additional items that you can do and that you aren't, I mean, you are a a specific apostle, but you can move other apostles with you and help spread the church to the different areas. And they have different scenarios. I usually only play one or two of them, but Mm -hmm. I I do like that they have that. It's really just the one scenario. Yeah, Yeah. they do have the opposite side of the board though. And that one's kind of fun too. When you do the opposite side, I can't Mm -hmm. remember, I haven't played it in a while, but anyways, I do really like the game. It's very good. That's one you'll have to bring down, Jason. At some point, we'll cover it. Absolutely. I, I love, um, I, I'm, although pandemic, I mean, you guys always like give me crap about my pandemic. It's like, he, not always the strongest. I like pandemic. It's Mike. Mike. Yeah. Mike I, hates say, I think it's we Mike. Know that. I'm right now playing two <laughs> pandemic legacy campaigns at the same time. So you cannot say I don't like pandemic. No, no not, not you, Colin. You're, you're, okay, you're, we're boys. We're boys. We're good. Okay. okay thank you. <laughs> All right. So the, for our next one, we're going to 64. Two of us designed a game. And we're the only two that rated it. No, actually. Uh, <laughs> uh, so obviously you guys have it pretty high. Uh, uh, Peter, you did uh, take the lead. Colin also threw you guys a bone and uh, rated it on the on the, uh, on the thing too. It is at the bottom. Salvation. It was like 99 on Colin's list. <laughs> it was like, oh, wait, that game. That's right. Uh, it's somewhere in there. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. So this game is Salvation Road. It's funny because when Mike said he was rating it, I was kind of hesitant at first, you know, rating your own game. I still but have I, it. It's right there. 
Nice. You didn't I read it, it though. So that's upstairs. That tells you what you think about it. I don't own this game. I should probably get this game sometime. Well, you should. I don't think you can get it anymore, but you should play it with Colin at some point. So there's a lot of things I love about it. And, you know, it's it's our first game design. It's not a perfect game. You know, we made our mistakes. Mike just reviewed it. So uh, that ironically, that review just came out today. And he pointed out some really true flaws about the game. There are certainly flaws about it. But when I look at it and I was trying to honestly compare it to how much fun do I have playing it versus a lot of these other games, I realized it's still pretty high on my list. It's still a game I love playing even to this day. And it's a game I'm not ashamed to put our name next to, even with all its flaws. There are two things in there that I think stand out to me and they haven't been repeated very often. Uh, Number one is the survivor and hero mechanic. So you have two characters that you control. One is a hero, the other is a survivor, and the survivor, so it's a Mad Max post-apocalyptic based theme, just if, if you don't know much about the game, but this survivor has a negative ability, but you always remember that negative ability, and it's one of those things that sticks out to you, and you need that survivor to do work. It's just figuring out how that survivor can do work with their negative ability, and the heroes can do those things much better, but the heroes won't be able to survive on their own, and so you need that survivor. The other thing I like, and it's funny, Mike pointed this out today too on the review, is the the wound system and the carrying capacity system. Every character, would, one of the things that makes them unique is they have an individual carrying capacity. And you're basically gathering resources, bringing them back to the compound, and you're trying to gather up for this big trip. Well, every character has a carrying capacity, but as they get wounded, and they will throughout the game, they'll take wounds, they'll get hurt. That carry capacity gets limited and more and more limited. And one of the coolest things we did is at some points these wound tokens flip over and they could become much worse or it must it might have just been a flesh wound where you're complaining about it over and over and then you realize oh wait a minute it just scratched your ear what are you talking about that wasn't anything and you could discard it so these these wounds have varying different effects on the backside and you're dreading every time you have to flip them over and they do cool things that like I don't know. That's an exciting part of the game for me. And they take your carrying capacity as well. So the more wounded you are, the less you can do in the game. But there's easy ways to get rid of them. But then you have to spend some of those precious resources that you've been trying to collect the whole game. So I think it's got some really tight, really tense decisions. We definitely made it too hard. We definitely made it too high a barrier to get into because you don't know a lot when you first play the game. Once you know the game, it's a lot easier and and you know what to expect and and what's coming forward. And it's still a challenging puzzle at that point, but that's the problem. It's a challenging puzzle for people who know the game really well. It's basically impossible for somebody who's (laughs) first playing the game. And I think that's why it probably didn't get the attention it should have is it's brutal. You're not going to win your first game. I mean, I I demoed this game a lot and very few people won their first game. And so we we went a little too hard. And that's why when people are like, oh, this is a hard co-op. I'm like, it's easy to make a hard co-op. Just, you know, just keep ramping up the difficulty. You can do it to the, I don't like, I don't care if a game's hard or not. You can, I can fix that. So I, I, that's a a design I want to go back to. And I think Mike mentioned that too. That's one we will revisit at some point because there's a lot of good there, but there's things we would fix and, and we will fix. I got to say, I love your, the truck mechanic where you're, you know, you get all those resources and then you go on the road and you have to reveal those cards and you try and get as many of those revealed as possible before you leave, but you don't have all of them revealed. And so then you're flipping them over and you're like, oh, that was my last food. Okay. What's the next one? Need? Oh, it needs food. Really? The toll. Can't you just take some of this extra other stuff that I've got? No, no, no. no. Gone. Oh man. Anyways, I just, I, I loved the tension that you guys provided in the game, because if you think of so many other games 
you kind of get to that plateau and you know you're going to win. You're just, whatever, whatever. With this one, you always have that tension even at the end because even if you've got loads and loads of resources, maybe it's not the right resources. And so you still have that tension as you're flipping over each card and you're going, okay, we got that toll. We got this toll. Anyways, I thought that was really cool and a lot of games could learn something from that because I, I appreciate it. There, yeah, and, and and as Mike said on the video today, we're not trying to shill because I don't think you can buy the game anymore. So we're certainly not trying to get you to buy it. But I mean, it really is that high. This for is me. for what an I, audience of one. AJ Porfirio, if you watch this or if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> and you want to get a second edition going with some cleaned up rules and intro scenario, then uh, <laughs> there's still people that ask about it. So the Salvation Road, I, although I mean, it didn't make my top 100. However, there are 167 games that I rated seven or higher that i'd be happy to play anytime right and salvation road i don't keep is it a six with you guys <laughs> i said is a six it's not one of those 167 <laughs> I, give, I got enough room over here i don't keep those sixes get out of here <laughs> you think i'm you think no. I, my shelf would be infested with sixes get out of here. i sell eights i am getting to the point where it's like cloud spy i didn't keep cloud spy it's an eight out of ten goodbye i'm, I'm out of here this game doesn't take too much room. It's not that it's not a big, <laughs> but I'm happy to play it. No, I'm, I'm, you know, that it's not just because it didn't make a top 100. I like a lot of co-op games. I really do. Uh, and it's, a, it's a really solid one. I really hope that you guys kind of find a way to can we keep reiterating on the system. All right. So that was a salvation road. So we have eight games left. Four of them belong to Steve. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Steve, you like a lot. You're popular, man. We're not going to bust your chops nearly as much as we busted everybody else's chops. <laughs> So, yes, these games tend to be A, had it very high for him, and like one other person liked it. So, you know, in theory, more of his games should have made the top of the list, but it's just, I so just, you know, cross some stuff. So we're going to get to the one of them right now, and I did rate it. And I, if I played it now, I probably would have gotten a higher rating. Baron is going to back you up on this one. It is U-Boot. Oh, yes. Love this game. Talk about tension. So this game is very unique. I don't think I've played a game similar to this at all really not every game has a sextant no yeah exactly (laughs) Uh, but uh wait a what (laughs) what kind of tent i'm sorry (laughs) that's a different game (laughs) but no this this is a real-time game that is actually real-time because normally when we say real-time we mean like turn less right this one is it's a simulation game where you are on a sub there you can play up to four people Everyone is a role. They're the, basically the head of department or the captain, for example. And they're commanding uh, four officers. And it's at the core, it's it's a worker placement where you're moving around the submarine. Like the worker placement is worker placement, whatever. Not Nothing's surprising there. But what's interesting about this is you have to play with an app. And so this is what infuses the open world aspect of it. And so, you know, you have this map and the navigator says, okay, you know, there is some um, uh, minefield. Uh, that we have to go take care of. So you plot a course on the map, you draw a line, you tell you tell the, the engineer, hey, I need to go at, at this many knots in this direction, and you start going. And then what I mean by real time is if in reality it would take you like 12 hours to get there, it's going to take you 12 hours to get there. <laughs> like Now, no one ever plays this way, right? Because the app is designed so once you start moving, you hit a button and it speeds up to the next event. So you're not actually waiting 12 hours. But like this is what I mean by an actual real-time game. And it is very immersive because you're in a sub, you're trying it's to sink. One of the most thematic games I've ever played. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's great. It's a uh, you get to a ship, 
And because it's an app, you have these sounds and everything going on. And so you sneak up to them. Hopefully you try to get as close as you can, try to get a good uh, fire, firing solution on them. You send the torpedoes and everyone's just waiting and waiting and waiting because it like, takes time to get there. And when you hear that hit, everyone's just cheering at the, at the table and you quick dive and you try to figure out where you want to go. And if, the, if they have escorts, they come after you. And then you hear them like coming towards you and you hear the depth charges. Yeah. Bloop, bloop. It's getting louder and louder. And everyone on the table is just like on pins and needles as this sounds getting louder. louder. Is it going to hit this? Is going to hit me? Is it going to hit me? I don't know. Or if you're trying to evade them, you hear it. You're like, I know they're up there. Are they here? And the, the microphone on the app will pick up your voice. And if you speak too loudly at the table, they will find you. And it's just like, it's so immersive that the fact I, I even played it with a group where I turned off the microphone. I was like, guys, we're turning off the microphone. I'm going to tell you how this game works. We'll play it. Even despite that, they were whispering at the table because they were so in, engrossed with it. And that's why this is so high on my list. It's got some cons, though. It is long game. Like, until they implemented the save feature, it was really hard to get to the table. And it's complex. It's a heavy game because each role has plays very differently than the other roles. But outside those two things, it is fantastic just to the experience it gets and it's how unique it is on the table. I love this game. I mean, I know I talked about a sextant and it's a cool thing that it's there. Like it actually makes a sextant cool. However, using it to target is really hard. Like targeting is really hard in this game. It is well, very... the sextants for when you get lost. You, you're oh, navigation, about the... yeah, yeah, navigation. Navigation, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like navigation, well, both of them, navigation and targeting are difficult. Like if you, yeah. like it's one of those games where it's like if you are on a string with the people that you're with, fantastic. I have mm-hmm. never found people with whom I have any kind of string. <laughs> so this game got sold really fast. But if I was playing with Steve and Barrett and whoever loves this game, I would probably did. This would be way, way higher because it is a very, very thematic game. Cool. It has two books in it. One's a real book, which is like, it's a long book, it's like 50 pages. It has another book that is maybe 40 pages and it's just tactics. It tells you like submarine warfare and just gets you like the bare necessity because I knew nothing about submarine warfare, but I learned a lot just by playing this game. How like how to like, well, if this ship's going this way, how do I approach it? So I get a, a broadside shot to get the best accuracy to sink the ship. And yeah, there's a lot of you pick up some skills in this a little bit for, for that uh, vector math you're doing in the game. But yeah, love this. So there's game. not going to ever be an expansion because the government's already come and silenced the designer of the game <laughs> for giving out its military <laughs> secrets. Is that what yeah. you're telling me? Yeah. They would have to have shown up in like 1954 from the government or something. <laughs> We're not using that target system anymore. Uh, Bant, you also rated this pretty high. I did. And actually, I haven't played it very much, but what I have played of it, I can't get enough of it. Just because, I, like Steve says, it's just this concept is so amazing to me this is the kind of concept i want to be bringing to the table at times to just have people standing there and experiencing something like this i really have only played with steve a couple times that was actually online and it still worked he was making me control the app on my side and i was like trying to tell him where to go and how to do this but we got shot down so fast it was <laughs> but you know just the thrill of me. but you like dying <laughs> again glorious, there go. I, <laughs> glorious i went out a blaze of glory again and it, it was it was just neat to see how this all fit together and see how the roles work and you have to communicate but you're also focused on your role but it yes and i've almost pulled the trigger on this game i think five to ten times on ebay just because i'm like i need to have this game in my collection just even only playing a little bit with steve but every time steve says oh i'm gonna come there i'm gonna bring this game to you guys we're gonna give this a shot and we never got him out here <laughs> yep the pandemic hits unfortunately i mean he's gonna have to get a u-haul to bring that thing out there right isn't this this giant ship it goes on it's a board. A ship. It's yeah, like, it's, you know, it takes up the entire table. So yeah, it's really big for sure. 
the other thing about this is I, I know they were talking about doing expansions in the Kickstarter. They were talking about doing a wolf pack, which I'm not sure exactly how they're going to implement it. But wolf pack is basically going to get a series of subs. And so I have the game and Elijah have the, has the game. And so we play a lot, the, the two of us. But in concept, what they could do if they come back to it where I control a ship by myself and you can play solo. I've done it. It's it's a lot, but you can get through it. It's a lot. Um, it's a lot. It puts space but, alert to shame with how much you have to do. <laughs> It's a lot going on, but um, I can control a sub and then he can control a sub and we can potentially be in the open world together and be playing remotely, but as a physical board game, which is really, really cool concept. Yep. That was uh, Salvation Row was 64. U-Boot was number 63. So we're getting to the top 50. We're going to talk about most of the games here. So then number 60 is actually my last game, and I adore this game. And, you know, actually, Mike really backs me up on this one, too. Four Families. You know, I don't think this is going to be like, you know, the brain burning co-op of the century or anything like that, but the theme and everything that is going on in this game, it is Endangered. Oh, so yeah. uh, Endangered is a dice worker placement game. It has probably some of the best short-term, long-term balance that I've seen in a co-op. Most co-ops have that, right? Do Put out your immediate flame, but also like serve the ultimate master of the game and, and do the win condition. So then here, the short-term is save the animals. And the animals are getting attacked by oil or like deforestation or whatever it is. And whatever cute little meeples. And that, that matters too, having the cute little animal meeples. And then the long-term is you're trying to please these ambassadors. So like you're trying to get long-term, lock in long-term funding. You know, and they're modulus, so like you can do different ambassadors. So short-term, long-term, and it's just like the, the theme is so warm and so well done. You can tell there's a lot of craft, when, a lot of intention went into this game. And it, uh, expansion just kick-started a while ago at this point with six new scenarios. So like, you know, more animals and more things to do. They've really explored the space. The dice placement is fun. It's not, it's not there's nothing like really innovative here. But I don't come to this for innovation. I come for warm stories and, you know, like the environmental theme really draws me in. Uh, you know, it's just like a really, really awesome package. Uh, Mike, you can back me up on this one. Yeah, I, I, everything you said is great. I'll just add on that. Uh, I think the dice placement is really cool and how it's cooperative, because if you put certain dice down, you don't clear that spot until like your turn comes around again. So you're like blocking it for other players. So it really forces you to kind of talk through things and like, what are you going to maybe need next turn? So I don't mess you up. But yes, uh, my family really enjoys this one, and I like it solo too. It's it's a fun experience overall. Colin, do you play this? I haven't, but I actually own it now because of your playthrough. But I still haven't gotten it to the table, so, <laughs> and I backed the Kickstarter. So thank you, Jason. For Fantastic. That. Yeah, I, I backed the Kickstarter too. I'm I'm really pr- probably my biggest complaint is how few animals are in the game in the base set. So having a ton more is going to really mm-hmm. raise the replay of this one. Absolutely. All right, so that was Endangered. The next game, Peter gave a nice royal rant about this one. And so we can kind of enlarge that and, and completely sh- and talk about why we like you know took this game down from its uh, supposed perch. Uh, it is Mansion of Madness 2nd Edition. Oh, come on, people. You, you guys sucks. are crazy. I hate this game. <laughs> this Wait, no, so did you bad. rate it very high, Peter? I rated it highly. Yeah, yeah, I am shocked that this game is not high on the list. Between Baron and his oh. liking story in games... Oh. And I've never played it. Oh, for good okay. reason. For good <laughs> you guys reason. like Journeys in Middle <laughs> Earth? No, actually, I mean, I think Bear would probably enjoy this one more than some of us. <laughs> no, I, I mean, so much of this game. Like, from what I understand, there's like a core box and then 742,000 expansions for it or something. Pretty much. Sure. Yeah. But, but you know what? There's enough in the core box and you can get any one expansion and be fine. It started this whole app based thing, Descent, Imperial Assault and Journeys in Middle-Earth. They're all based on this app that they came out for this game. I mean, I think Descent 
the app solo came first and then they did mansions as the first full game implementing the, the, the first full game design. like you know from the ground up design yeah, yeah but yeah. but you can kind of tell that it was designed from the ground up to be built this way yeah. and played this way right. and the stories in it are great look are the mechanics great is it world beating no it's nice simple quick actions your turns go quickly the enemy turns go quickly as well the story yeah, what doesn't go quickly peter <laughs> Well, the, the game is long overall. I will say that. It certainly is a long game. I've, we've had three-hour games where you get to the end and it's like, oh, you ran out of time. But, you know, there, there's there's definitely, or we had, we had a game where we played oh, for two God. and a half hours and the <laughs> app died and it didn't save any of our progress. Now, now that, that was an early build. They fixed all that now. Like you can save and such, but yeah, that was bad. But the story is so good. I mean, even through that, I mean, I'm shocked actually, Mike, you don't like it better because you like it's, Arkham specifically it's, it's, because it, it's of the number story. number 41 for me. It's number 41. I rated it oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. The story is just great. I mean, if you like Arkham LCG, I'm not saying it's anywhere mechanically nearly as good as that, but I think the story is right up there with it. And in fact, I like it even better because a lot of times the app will tell you the story or there'll be, you know, thematic music yeah, or yeah. thematic sounds that come along with it. The app is just so well implemented and so well integrated. I don't know. It's just fun. If you like horror at all, I, I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. That's that the it's problem. Not the app this tells list. you the story. You're not playing. You're, you're, it's a movie. Like, I'm, yeah, I no, like I, I'm a, I've, I'm a I agree 100%. I, well, I agree that, that, 100%. Yeah, in, in Peter and my podcast review, we said this is like playing a movie, but in a positive way. So I think like that'll no, cut both a, ways. This for is players. like, I might as well not even play. Like, I mean, no, I'm no, not, no, no, no. Can, no I, I there think are you're choices. exaggerating greatly. There are choices. There are mistakes. There are things that are dangerous and you can go the wrong way. Like, it, it is it is a living movie for good or worse, but I don't think there's no choices. It's not like one of those old, like, uh, when they first well, had I mean, CD okay, ROM so games. Like, so like, like, like the random things that happen. So it's like, I go up to a chair and it's like, there's a book on a chair. It's like, uh, there's nothing else to interact with. Ah, I'm going to get hit in the face with something. It's like, what told me that this was going to be there well, or but not that's, there or whatever it but is. It's, like, horror. I just, it's a freaking book. That's the Arkham role-playing game, like Call of Cthulhu as well. Like th- th- this is a world where you just get like hit by random things sometimes. And you just got to do a gut check of like what you want to investigate and whoops, now you're insane. Oh, that's what I come to gaming for, a gut check. Okay, great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> oh, I want to check my gut whenever I want to play a game. Well, okay, uh, sure. Yes, uh, clearly it's not for you, Jason, but not clearly it's also for a ton of people. So you are not, you know, objectively right. Yes, it I'm is. I'm not objectively is. right, but Pe- but Peter's like, how could you win? How oh, yes, could this I, be? I, I, how I'm could this be? Too, yes. Well, well I'm telling you. Well, because it's one of the, I mean, if you look on BGG, I guarantee it's a top 100 game on there. I mean, to, to not even make our top 50 is... A little, I mean, four co-op games. If it's top hundred game there, it's clearly a top fifty co-op game on there. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just one of those to me. And wasn't it on the People's Choice as well? They picked this, right? Yes. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I understand it's not going to be for everybody, but there's enough good in there, and there's enough fun stuff in there to not make a top fifty seems silly. But Colin, you've been quiet, and I know you said you hated it. What's uh, what are the negatives for you? just absolutely hated my experience the two games that i played with it just and the minis were terrible i mean absolutely horrendous and the (laughs) app experience wasn't good we had no idea where to go bad things were happening to us the whole time rolling dice for your checks didn't feel like we had much mitigation just it was not working well for us fast forward to journeys of middle earth felt like they have really improved on that and i of course have never been someone that loves horror as a theme so sure. all of that, put that together. That's why to me, it's like, if I have journeys, why do I need mansions? Yeah, and I agree. Journeys yeah. is a much better mechanical game by far. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. by a lot. Yep. I agree so, with both of you on that. 
And I mean, those minis suck. Okay. And if minis suck, well, I'm probably definitely not getting it then. That's for sure. Yeah. No, they were. Well, terrible. so here's the thing: we don't even use the minis. We use the investigator minis, but we don't use the monster minis. They come with tokens. So this is stupid. I mean, this is a a whatever. They come with tokens that you put under the miniature, but you need the stats from the token. (laughs) So like, why do I have a miniature on top of it? I can't see the stats. I got a miniature. It's hidden in the base. I agree with you there. And the art's great on the token. So we never actually play with the miniatures at all. And the tiles look great. It looks great on the table. Just if you didn't have the minis on it. But so I don't know. It just was not for me. Definitely not for me. Not for me either. All right. Guys, we got got how many more games left, uh, Jason? Five. (laughs) Five more games. 57. 57 is uh, Hellboy, the board game. All right. So Hellboy was awesome. Hellboy is based off of the comics. You are going through different adventures. They're based upon the comics. So if you've read the comics, you'll enjoy the different scenarios that you have. The best part about the game is the dice because the dice, you can level them up by spending more actions or maybe doing an action that's more advantageous. You can also hurl things. You can chuck furniture. You can set things on fire. You can blow up enemies. And the best part is just like death may die. You are always having a boss fight at the end and the boss fight is epic and enjoyable. And every time I play it, I have a good experience. So that one, my kids like it. We call it Hey Boy instead of Hellboy. Uh, and <laughs> son loves to hurl everything into furniture. And so it's just, it's it's a lot of fun. If you like the theme and you like the idea of dice, leveling up your dice to get stronger dice that then you roll and you can do different things with. And I love the effect die. The effect die too is really fun because it does different effects based on what you roll and it gives you more agency. Yeah, it's a great game. So why don't I hear more about this game? Actually, well, first of all, it's Mantic. And Mantic. I think, yeah, yeah. Mantic is That's not, they don't have the greatest record. I mean, they've got Star Saga and Dungeon Saga. And- yeah, not so great. Uh, they're from <laughs> the UK. They're, they're not based out of the US. It's also hard to get. It's very expensive because it's Hellboy. It's very expensive. And when you get the base game, if you don't get the Kickstarter version, it comes with like maybe three missions and you're paying $100. It's terrible value. So you need to get the Kickstarter version, which means then you got to go to the website and pay $70 in shipping. You know, So I think that's why. Also, there are definitely people that say, well, what's the difference between that and uh, you know, Death May Die, right? And Death May Die, people like the Cthulhu universe better maybe, or they know it more than Hellboy. I, I really want to play. I love Hellboy. I think Hellboy is really cool. And this is just, for I, you, Jason. Oh, so man, I'm sorry, it's Jason. I, I sold my copy to somebody for like not that much. I could have just given it to you when you come by. Hellboy's great. Just make me a pile, dude. Just get make me a pile. I, I got I will it. See it's what it's, I can it's do. behind me in my corner. I got like six games in there so far. Is there it Myth is. in there? Uh, no, Myth. Myth is. I, I'm going to no, play no, that. No, no, it's no, it's, no. I'm, I'm, it's I'm happening. Good. No. 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 Keep my trunk clear of that. No. Well, thank you. All right, so we have four games left. Three of them are Steve's. <laughs> hey, hey, Jason, I didn't play Hellboy either, by the way. Mike didn't offer it to me. He just got rid of it. <laughs> I didn't play Hellboy. I didn't play Hellboy, so, you know. Oh, that's hilarious. I don't need to play it. Like, I would love to play it, but, like, there's just – I'm okay. So, um, Steve, I'm actually – I have played this game. It felt really – it was okay. It fell kind of flat for what I wanted, but you uh, you love this game. Baron will back you up on this one. Uh, Mike has some points over here too. It is Maximum Apocalypse. Yeah, I don't really care for like the horror or the post-apocalyptic theme very much, but for whatever reason, this game checks those boxes for me. I like I I love this game. It has a lot to do with the modularity of it because the you choose a character in each deck. 
play is very different. It's fun to feel powerful because each deck has these very big, powerful moments in it. But basically, you are setting a scenario, you're exploring the world, flipping on tiles, and you're trying to search the decks for equipment and food to keep yourself from dying of hunger, basically, as you try to complete the objective. And it has a big flaw in that because these decks, you just shuffle everything together and you're trying to find different locations on the board, you could be like, oh, yeah, the first location to flip over is the one I need or the last card of the deck is the one I need, right? So that is the biggest problem with this game, in my opinion, by far. But outside of that, we have a lot of fun with it. In fact, I played with Elijah the other day. We played a scenario where we decided to take the map and make it in the shape of the USA. And so as we're exploring around, like, oh, yeah, here's the military base. It's in uh, oh, maybe Washington, D.C. It's near Washington, <laughs> D.C. there. So it made it really fun. And then having these fun combos of, like, how can I help you out with this cooperation? It's really, really great in that aspect of it. I don't know. It's, it's a really fun game. I like it. Right. I don't want to go on, like, because like, we said a lot of games are long, right? And, like, long is another way of saying I didn't enjoy it <laughs> for the length of it. And like, if it's something is long, if you enjoy it, then it's fine. You know, Seven Continent, Baird is like, this game's not long. It's only 50 hours. I get it. So I don't want to say that Max Apocalypse is long, but I think I you, you, you've definitely put your point on it where it's like, it is the kind of long that I know is long only because of my shuffle, not mm. necessarily because of anything that I'm doing or anything that the game is doing. It's I could have shuffled differently and had a completely different experience. And that's frustrating. And like, it has that like kind of forbidden Island turning tiles over and stuff. And I, I think that's cool, but like having played forbidden Island, forbidden desert, those are quicker games, having a, a much looser, looser, goosier kind of system. Just, uh, I just kind of a miss for me, which is a shame because the, the, the art's pretty cool. The vibe is pretty cool. Everything else about it is cool. It's just that, that, that very elastic kind of experience. I just didn't, it, it was a miss for me, but I, I can definitely understand what, what you get out of it. So, Ben, you also had this rated. I did. I, I had it rated. I did have it rated. I uh... <laughs> I was reaching at this point, Jason, to leave me alone. Don't make me talk about it. <laughs> uh, no, no, actually, I really like this one. I, I played this on my channel. My wife and I do play this one. One of the things that I like about it is pretty much everything that Steve just said. I have like the super deluxe version. So I have all these different people I can choose from. And it's so cool. And I'm like, who do you want to be tonight? She's like, oh, I'll be this person. Okay, cool. I'll be this guy. And it's like totally different than what we played the last time. And what mission do you want to go? Because you have, again, all these different enemies you can fight against. There's all these different things. Again, mostly if you're doing a thing, it's usually about three missions. So again, you can do it all in one night if you're interested in doing it. I have found that most of the missions at least have one sense of go get gas, bring it back. Yeah. And I... I would like to have more, like one of the our favorite. A lot ones, of gas. There's a lot of gas. A lot of gas. One of our favorite ones is actually a dinosaur one. We actually went from two different parts of the world. There was one world that wasn't dinosaurs, and one that was. You had to go through a tunnel system, mm. and that one didn't have any gas in it. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so, or if it was, it was not bring it back to the truck. It was like bringing it to like a station or something. So it, I wish there's a little bit more variety in a lot of the missions, but I think that being able to have the decks, all the different decks you can pull to do stuff really creates a cool experience every time you do it. But again, oh, we have to go to the camp. It's the next tile. We found that we actually take the one we're supposed to have and we mix it into like a group of them. And then in ones that we don't have it in, we group together and then we put those out. So it's not ever going to be that one right next to us at least. That's kind of how we make the game, at least not just a one boom done. <laughs> That's what we do too, actually. Yep. All right. So that was Maximum Apocalypse. This next game, number 54, was probably the game we got the most guff over. Match to the Madness, we didn't hear a peep out except for one person who was yeah. on the call. 
Uh, Except for game, everybody who rated it in the top 10 that you guys ignored. But people, that's one of those games where it's like, it's good for me, but I understand why it wasn't on your list. This game, this game, we got cuff. Like, we got like, how could you, how could this game not be top 50? And I'm thinking of one person in particular, Mr. Kevin Erskine. Hi, Kevin, I know you're watching. But it wasn't only Kevin. It was a couple of people who said, what's happening here? Mike, tell us about what's happening with Too Many Bones. Yeah, so, I mean, this is one I have a complicated relationship with. And I'll just enumerate its many flaws right off the bat, like some of them. It has a poor get poor system that I really don't like. And I know that's a big problem that Colin has with it. Like if you fail some missions, the game keeps leveling up without you. And you're like, I, I couldn't beat those monsters. How the heck can I beat these new monsters? <laughs> um, you know, and, and one of the expansions offers a uh, system that does fix that a little bit, gives you rewards whenever you fail to give you a leg up in the next combat. But that's an expansion. And it's very expensive. It's chip theory games. It's like over $100 for the base game. You get a lot of good content. I think it's a very good amount of playability for that price, but it's pretty expensive. And, you know, like uh, like Barrett said, it can kind of go, uh, it can be a little weird uh, difficulty-wise. Like, sometimes it'll be a little too easy, and you'll just steamroll everything. Because it also has kind of a, while it has poor get poor, it also can have rich get richer. The thing that's really charming with this, especially for co-op, I actually like this better for co-op than for solo by a wide margin. The gear lock variety is excellent. I mean, it's just like really, and, and it could be a, uh, a obstacle to entry for the game. So it also can be a negative, but... If it's, you are making a game and you want to be featured in the one-stop co-op shop as a Kickstarter, put variety of characters yes. into your game and you will get Mike's attention. I mean, I mean, it is literally like my favorite thing in games. Like if, if I, you know, like unique character decks or unique character builds, like that is one of my favorite things right off the bat. But yeah, like the, the gear lock variety is great. You really do feel like you're playing kind of a different type of game and you and even playing the same gear lock, usually they have like kind of builds, but you can like do fairly different stuff every like two or three plays with a different gear lock. I personally think the tactical combat is quick, but very fun. Like it's a really, really solid system. Yes, it does have dice luck, but you're rarely like kind of locked into bad things because of your dice. They tend to like balance out and you get your dice back. You didn't roll the thing you wanted and the bones you roll become like these really powerful backup things. So I think there's a lot of like good mitigation there. The huge variety encounters is awesome. Although that can be a negative because there will be, <laughs> it's like, I mean, you know, I, I've played it a ton and I still go on Facebook. And I'm like, what the heck is going on with encounter 34 y'all? Cause like, what are they talking about? <laughs> what, what? <laughs> you know, and, and this is a problem with chip here. They've had that for a while, which is why I'm so excited by this cloud spire, like redo going forward into all of their games. Cause like Peter, you should see cloud spire now. Like instead of having like this giant stupid list of keywords, they're like, here is this unit. Here's how this unit works. And it's like with illustrations and it's like really clear. So, you know, too many bones. I don't think we'll ever get a 2.0. I can't imagine them doing that because that would be a slap in the face of everyone who spent like $800 on it. But uh, I'm excited to see like their work going forward. So yeah, I, I think it's a very polarizing game, but the people who love it, spend $800 on it and get a friggin' wooden chest to store all this stuff in. So I know why, like, you were getting guff. Um, and for me, it, it went from being a game that I really didn't care that much about to playing it more co-op and playing it and getting all the expansions. And now it's uh, definitely top 10 games. Might might be creeping into top five. I don't know. But it's got so many two. flaws. Like, it, it, it's... Yeah. It was your uh, number two at the, on this list. Yeah, yeah. For co-ops, it was my number two. For games overall, it's, it's in probably top five. But, but like Cloudspire, you know, it's one I can't say like everyone should buy too many bones. No, no. Go, go watch a playthrough. 
Colin's got some, I've got some and be like, does that actually seem fun to me? Do I actually want to spend $130 for that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there are so many things that could make it fall flat for people. And for me, I love it. I get why a lot of people do, but it's 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 not a it's not a crowd pleaser. Like everyone's gonna like it, everyone's gonna put it down. I would recommend Spirit Island 50 times to the average gamer before I'd recommend too many bones, even though it is higher on my list, you know. I think the barrier of entry is really high. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part about it is the barrier of entry. And every time you get a new gear lock, that's great, but you got to start all over again. And, and, you know, some are easier to play with than others. And it's just the way they present the information, I think is a big barrier for me as well. That like two-sided sheet that's got all your gear lock stuff. And it's not like really clear what leads to what and how I figure out like, I mean, it's like a menu. It's like getting a menu in like two point font in a restaurant, in a dark restaurant and trying to figure out what you want to order. Like it's very hard to, to get past that. Now, people who love it, I think play the same gear lock over and over and over until they get it. And then they move on to the next one. And it's great for something like that, but you have to be willing to invest a lot to get to that point. A final thing I'll say, and there's a lot of games like this. We know this. I've taught it to so many groups on TTS, like probably like on, through our Discord, like probably like four or five different groups of players. And the vast majority of them have bought a ton of stuff for it afterwards. Because I think it is such, it, it is a game that really thrives when you have someone who loves the game teaching it to you, but that's the case for everything. But not only that, but also someone who can get you over those little rules bumps. Right. Be like, here's a suggestion for which character. Let's play the, like I, I recommend everyone, play the Goblin King first. That is a fun tyrant to play. He lets you level up a lot. He's goofy. He's fun. He doesn't have the stupid boss fight like Nam, where Baron just sits on the bridge and never actually gets to do anything in the final boss fight. <laughs> this is the last time we played. What's funny is that I played with Baron and was that Will, the Hungry Gamer? Baron, that yep, we played with? That was William. Yeah. So, so I'd like written off the game and Will was like, hey, too many bones. I don't know why. I don't think he loves the game that much. Maybe he does. Um, or maybe Baron suggested it. Somebody suggested it. So we played on TTS. And I was like, this game is freaking great. <laughs> and that's that's what pulled me back in. Without that, I would never have played it again, probably. Uh, but yeah, Barrett had a terrible time that game. So it's just kind of, well, no, actually, oh, you had fun until the end, right, Barrett? Yeah, it was, it was great. It, it was really, to me, the same experience I usually have when I play Too Many Bones, which is why I don't have it anymore. I just, there wasn't really a challenge in it. There wasn't really building up a character and just kind of like, okay, well, my guy just does this then kind of thing. I mean, there's certain paths you go down. And like I said, I've played it even through the campaign of the 40 days of Galore, Daylor, whatever it is. And it Daylor. just, Daylor, <laughs> it just wasn't, it just wasn't our thing. It just didn't click with my group. We had four people playing this game and I'm trying to explain the whole game. We played all the way through this thing. And after we got done, we're looking at you like, that was something. Yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, Baron, something you just said, four player is probably the worst way to play it, I think. Right. I, I do. I think two and three is the best. True solo is okay, but it's kind of wonky. Four is like messed up difficulty wise. I would never play with four players just personally. Why we didn't like it. We never were challenged. It was yeah, like, no, no, I, I get it. That, that, that is a flaw in the game too. It's, it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of issues. Steve, we'll have to get it, it back then. I have to get it back. Oh, no, wait. you don't. You don't. You're fine. You got enough games. Anyway, Jason, let's move Steve, on. Have you ever played? You ever, you ever played it? I have not played a chip through game. Okay. And what about you, Colin? Colin ditched it. Oh, yeah. I definitely played this. I did a playthrough. After my five-hour four-player game, I got rid of it very quickly. Yeah. So, it's, it's not, don't yeah. play four-player. Yeah. Like, just definitely was not overall. for me. So, That's Mr. Right. Kevin Erskine, you now know why we did not put uh, Too Many Bones in Top 50. Right there. There he is. <laughs> don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> too, too many people playing four-player and too many people playing solo. I think Mike's right. It probably is best at two and three players. And with somebody who can teach you how to play. 
Right. Well, yeah, because I mean, four players too easy. And then um, True Solo made this really weird choice where you don't have anybody helping the boss. It's mm. like the difficulty spike is good, good, good. It's really challenging. It's really challenging. You get to the boss. And mm. like with two players, he would have like six monsters with him. And with Solo, he has zero monsters. And it's like, what? How? How is that even? <laughs> Who made same? this balance yeah. decision? Like, how yeah. does this make sense? Any sense? So, yeah, it's it's a little odd. Anyway, I'm done. <laughs> That's too many bones. Uh, number 54. So then 51 and 52. And once again, uh, we are skipping games. Go ahead and check out the games that we've skipped. I mean, a lot of stuff Descent, Guma Killforth, Roll for Adventure, Badaro. We agree not to talk about because you've talked about it a lot. You know, Space Hulk, Deck Angels, Pandemic Blitz Season 2, oh, Death Angel Siberia, the game. So many games, so many co ops. Uh, so please go to One Stop Co op Shop and check out the uh, spreadsheet for all of them. We're going to end on 52 and 51. They're both Steve. Although one of them is one of them is definitely Steve, and the other one is actually kind of spread out amongst uh, a couple of us. Oh, I know what that one is. So, uh, do you know that? Do you know that one? I-, I can guess what Steve likes a ton that I also like, and a lot of us I think like it just a little bit. Oh, I'm assuming Street Masters. Nope, we, that oh. was in the top fifty. That was on the list. Was oh on, shoot! The then never mind. Then I don't know. I, I don't know. Right. Uh, <laughs> any idea, Steve? Oh, I know what both of them are. Oh, I don't okay. know which Go what ahead. order is it. Which, but hit me. Hit is, which one's first? Or do you want me to guess which one's first? Go, go ahead and guess. I'm going to guess the next one is going to be United. That was 51. That was really oh. 51. You rated Marvel it really Marvel United <laughs> you is super 51? High. Yes. <laughs> All right. I'm surprised. I'm yeah. surprised wow. too, but maybe uh, Colin also gave it a, a decent amount of points. Wait, so you did, uh, Colin? I did. I probably it was after <laughs> my 50s, so it's wherever it was. <laughs> yeah, it was 45. Yeah, it was 45. Yeah, it was 45. He thought he was reading Marvel Champions. <laughs> Marvel United, sure. Uh, okay, so, well, we'll, go, we'll do the first one first. Yeah, we'll right? do that we'll one. Do, uh, Let's do that one now. Marvel United. Yeah, so Roombound, right? Nope. But that was in the top Was it Roombound? That was in the top 50. Oh. Yeah, yeah Roombound was top about. 50. Black Orchestra. Oh, Black Orchestra, that's right. Okay. Which, which yes. that was one that got points from a lot of us. I I have it. I love it. But so we'll just do the Marvel United first, and then Black Orchestra, and then we're out. Go go for it. Oh, United first. Yeah. Okay. We'll have, have, okay. This twelve game... o'clock, dude. Whatever you want. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> no, this game I had a lot of concerns over when the Kickstarter came out, and the main reason I backed it because you know what, my son's gonna love this game. So worst case scenario, he'll enjoy it. I'll resell after after the fact. Anyway, long story short, fast forward to actually getting and playing it. The first few plays weren't weren't is kind of what I expected, but as I started digging into it a little more and more, I started to really really enjoy this game. So what this game is, it is kind of like a pandemic ish game with a Marvel United. It's like or the Marvel IP slapped on it, right? You are trying to keep these locations under control, having civilians and thugs on there while completing some goals. You have to complete two goals before you can hit the boss, and then you take the boss, you win the game. The boss has its own way of winning the game as well as so trying to stop it from doing whatever its goal is. It is very, very light and simple in this fact that you have three icons on the cards. Basically, like, move, punch something, or do heroic action, which could be a couple of different things to do, like rescue civilians, right? Um, and then you have some special powers in your characters as well. Now, I'm a huge fan of Marvel, so I was excited about that. But when I first played the game, I played it out of the box, and... I felt like the characters weren't unique enough, right? I'm like, okay, I'm moving, I'm punching, everyone's doing, moving, punching, and heroic action, right? And they have some special powers. And so I kind of disappointed that. But as I started exploring more of what the game had to offer, I started pulling those wilds out, which I highly recommend, especially that double wild, get that thing out of there. It just ruins the game. I started seeing how they were unique, and I started really getting into it. I started feeling like, okay, 
this is a card counting game. I know how many like resources this person has. And then the other thing that was really surprising to me is this game seating matters. Mm-hmm. Like Hulk has a lot of punches, right? But he's not very mobile or doesn't have any heroic actions. So if I put someone with heroic actions before him, he will now get access to that resource for the whole game. And so you can like balance out some characters or, or go heavy end, depending on how you sit around the table. And then what the final nail in the coffin was for me was when I started playing this game a lot and started tweaking the settings, I was able to nail it down so that we were winning or losing on like a single card flip. So there were so many games coming down to the wire and I can play this in 30 minutes, set up, play, put away 30 minutes and have these close games. It was like, okay, this is a winner for me. And so I, I love this game. So then um, Eric Lang did some interviews on it. He was a head of CMON when they were producing this. He wanted a lifestyle gateway game. And usually games are either lifestyle or gateway. And he wanted to try to make that make that happen because, you know, a lot of families, they want to be able to get into something. They don't want to get into some big LCG. They don't want to get they wanted something that was really simple for families. And for me, it didn't make my top 100, but I am happy to play it because of that, because like, you know, maybe I you know because my, my daughter gets into stuff. My daughter has 16 dolls of like, you know, Barbie. She has every Disney princess. She wants to collect things. So like if she wanted to game and all that kind of thing i can see getting a kid who likes to collect things into a property and i think this is all this is the only one that really does that like that really takes that approach so i am just not on the level i appreciate it do i want to play it not really <laughs> but like enjoying that with my family is is the thing is the trick for me colin you didn't really like did that land for you in that area or did yeah, you pass I mean, it you, you've got it right i i got it mostly for my kids and uh, my son liked it. He actually didn't like it as much as I was hoping. Yeah, and so I have, with me. Yeah, so now I have all of this. I just got delivered like two days ago, an entire <laughs> box of all of these minis. You can sell that. that that's, yeah, you can that's sell true. that. I can sell that. That's a good point. I think yeah. I'm going to. Uh, I mean, just, keep, <laughs> just keep the core set or something, you know, right. just in case. But but yeah. yeah it well, just you can get the core set at Walmart for 30 bucks. That's what I did. That's yeah. true. But mine is painted. So there's the difference. Uh-huh. So, uh, but other than that, I'm not going to paint all those other ones. That's no. not happening. So <laughs> anyways, overall it is, I still think it's a solid game. I understand that it's nice and light and you can play it. And I was hoping that my kids would like it. They just more just wanted to play with the figurines instead of playing with the cards. And I, I think that right. was the disconnect. Right. My son wanted to roll dice like, Hey boy, when he could chuck the dice, throw stuff. And he's like, I can't <laughs> hey do <boy>. that. <laughs> well, sorry. He calls it. Hey boy. I, I don't even call it Hellboy anymore. He doesn't get to do that here. He has to play a card and he gets a right. single punch. He's like, well, that's stupid. I want to play Hellboy. So I think that's the problem is I've, yeah, I'm on the wrong, I'm on the wrong level now for my seven-year-old. So yeah. And that's, that's where the disconnect was for me too. Cause I, I think it is like a fairly nice puzzle. Like Steve said, like, I think the puzzly nature of like getting the icons in the right order, like, and the right ones before you run out of punches in your deck, but it was not, it's not interesting enough for me as a gamer. And my son could not get on the cognitive level for it to be interesting as him for him as a family gamer. Mm. He would much rather play Escape the Dark Sector or another game of Exceed or something with dice or something with cards. It's it sort of hit this middle ground where I'm getting rid of my copy. Like I have no neat reason to, to own it, basically. Okay. Uh, but I, I'm glad, Steve, like, you know, I, you're, you sound like you're kind of leaning more into that gamer side, which I think is probably where it's best. I think like the family side of the equation almost does a disservice to the game because it's like absolutely than I think it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's I, I completely agree with what you said. Like I feel like if you play it how they recommend in the box, it it just misses because I had the same experience. Like this doesn't feel like what is this game? It doesn't feel like it. It feel like it's something there, but maybe not. And as I started tweaking things, then it started to click. And I play on the harder levels even with my son. 
And it was really cool to see him. He's six, by the way. Sit down, look at his cards, and he's not really reading a whole lot. I mean, he can read, but he's, he's not quite there yet, right? But he can look at his cards, and he can actually figure out the strategies. And I thought that was really cool. Like, you That's see awesome. those gears turn his head and, like, Oh, I need to play this card because this combos with mom and we can get this thing going. Like, dude, that's, yeah, that's a really good strategy. Let's do it. Right. So, but yeah, it's I, and the other thing about this game too is the villains is what sells the replayability of this game. Like, the core villains are okay, but the villains they're made are coming out are super, like, they're doing some really cool stuff with what's coming out. And so I think that's what is going to provide the longevity for this game. Yeah. And unfortunately, the core box, because they're approaching from like, this is Walmart. We don't want to make it too complex. I'm like, cool, but like, we want that complexity, right? Give me that cool villain that does this cool thing that runs around the board or, or like Magneto with a cerebral thing after disarm. Like, this, that's really fun. And so I think it will get there. It's going to be something similar to Marvel Legendary where Marvel Legendary, the core box, it's like dumb, stupid. Like, why would it play this? There's not much going on. But as they evolve and keep pushing the boundaries and have the simple solution and take it to extremes, I think that's where it's going to start getting better. And the last thing we're going to talk about in this long odyssey of hidden gem type games is uh, Black Orchestra. Yes, this game is I, I love this game. So now this game is going to be very polarizing for a couple of reasons. One, because of the theme, for sure, because Black Orchestra, it's a historical event where basically they were a hidden group trying to assassinate Hitler. And so it is it is very gross well, it, in that history. It's inspired by history. The conspirators never actually got that as close as you get in the board game. <laughs> That's correct. That's They're correct. Based on, it's based on a history, and it's almost like a, a wish fulfillment thing of like, this is what the conspirators wish they could have done. Go after Goebbels, go after all the, right. uh, Himmler and all these other people. So, you know, you're playing that cooperative game. You're playing the conspirators and you're trying – and like Hitler and the different Nazis are, are – you're playing in Berlin – and there are pieces and they are walking around the board and that could like, because there's different ways to do Nazis, right? Like if you're playing Axis and allies, you're playing like the Germans. That's much different than like Hitler in Berlin walking around. Right. Right. So like that's, exactly. that's a thing that can, that, that can, you know, kind of bother people. It's not bother me because it is a history. It's, it's loyal enough to the history and it's telling it's, it's definitely making an historical argument that I really, really appreciated the care that put it, that went into it. Yeah, for sure. That part can be very polarizing. The other part, which I think be polarizing but fits really well here, is you don't lose on a die roll, but you win on a die roll. You lose. And on I a think die that roll. What are you talking about. <laughs> no, you won. You you don't lose. Well, you lose you, another forty five minutes on a die roll is what you lose. <laughs> fair enough, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it depends on how you set up, and you want to choose how you how many dice you roll. But anyway, like that part, I both love and hate when I go for the the plot attempt to take out take out Hitler. Because you're rolling these dice and you've played how long, you've set all the pieces in motion, you try and make sure Hitler gets in the right spot for the right condition to roll, and you, you roll these dice and you know this is like the only window of opportunity to do this. And I feel a lot of tension on that. And when it's successful, like people are shouting and excited about this, we won the game, cool. When you fail it, like, oh crap, how do we recover? And normally you have a plan B, another plot in place, or you have some other contingents that you fall back on from that side point. The plot um, is there. It's not in place. There's nothing in place about plan B. Like usually because you have yeah. to do so much setup that, you know, this resource has to be there. Your, your um, whatever the status has to be at a certain level, like the relentlessness or something like this. Like you have you, a lot has to come together. So like you're not going to have a backup coming together very likely <laughs> because you're going to have to spend time building up 
up, going to the spaces, gathering more, getting your your whatever stat up, and then someone else has to have the card and you play it again. And like you know, again, thrilling. And I like the thrill of the game, and it does, and the game does really neat things with dice. One of those games was guy, it kind of like grew out of me over time. Like when I first played, it was so frustrating. Like I don't like this, but yeah. then you know everything else the game is doing, I, I became kind of attached to it again. I, I'm torn, right? You know, because like, it is thrilling. When you do nail that role, it is very, very thrilling. But when you miss, for it, sure, yeah, yeah, and when you miss, it could be pretty, pretty detrimental. That, but the other thing that's interesting too is the game follows how the war goes. So, like in early parts of the game, there's not a lot of military support. It's kind of easier to get to Hitler and stuff like that. Towards the middle part of the game, they're expanded. Hitler's all over the board. They got all military going on, and towards the end, they, you know, they retreat back, right? So it's a little easier at the end. So, like in the middle part of the game, it is actually pretty challenging to get those plot attempts off so it's kind of like a beginning of the game you want to rush try to get a quick plot attempt and at the end you're rushing to try to get the plot attempt before they discover you know who's involved in all this stuff but um yeah i don't know something about this game i, I really enjoy it. it's not it doesn't rank super high for me but it's one of those games that doesn't get talked about a lot that i, I think deserves attention all right so that was black orchestra and i'm going to bring this to a close because it's late <laughs> But yeah, that was the best of the rest. Uh, so we got all the way up to from 160 something to 51. You know, I've said it many, many times. The, the whole list is available. And, and we're going to keep on going. Like, I mean, like we always have new stuff coming in. 2021 is going to be a pretty significant year for co-ops. So this list will look very different as we go. Well, and I was going to say, even, even from us talking and even from hearing Baron's number one kingdom death monster. That would definitely be on the top 50 because I would rank it a lot higher now. You know, some of the other games that I'd forgotten about, like Orleans, that would have probably made the list had I remembered it. So I, I think Zero, I totally forgot about Fire Team Zero. <laughs> Fire Team Zero, right? So, I mean, it's funny. You know, you think about a top 50 list, a top 100 list. You're like, how could this thing change? Why do you do this thing every year or whatever? But there's a lot of movement, you know, between new games, games you forgot about, games that fall out of favor for you, games that come into favor. So I do think this is an interesting exercise, but I also do think it's a snapshot in time. You know, as much yeah. as we like to say that, like, oh, this is the top 100 games of all time. They're not really, right? They're the top 100 games of all time right now that you remember to put on your list. And, like, you know, <laughs> there's lots of caveats there. Well, we're not doing this every year. 300. We'll, we'll do this again in uh, episode 300. We'll see. Well, shoot, goes. with both of us doing episodes, that's less than a year. Between Wednesday and weekend episodes, shoot. we might have to wait till 500 for the next one. All right. All right. Bring us home. Thanks for joining us again, everybody. And uh, we will see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. Solomon came better at the certain situations then. Man, I'm so excited. <laughs> so I, as usual, I will hype this game into infinity. And then when you play it, you can go, well, I had a few flaws. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is I, an I, unmitigated disaster. I think that's what Jason keeps saying about it. All yeah, I mean, this yeah, I'm waiting for the next one. I'm waiting for my next disaster. I mean, keep hitting Baron. We're done with the disasters. The the glorious is that we're done with those. I don't know. I think there's another glorious disaster on here somewhere. No, we have a no. Actually, we have one that that someone might think is one, but I actually like the one that you picked up. Okay, good. We'll get there. All right. I'll have um, some backing from now on. That's good. Instead of just Baron put it at number six. (laughs) 
Oh, no one else, no one else put it on there. What is it? Number nine. <laughs> all right. Whenever you're ready, Peter. Oh, all right. Yeah. Let me turn off my heater. Sorry. I was just warming up a little bit. Now this will be just like the last time I recorded with, with Steve when I turned my furnace off and my wife came down. I was like, I think the furnace is broken. <laughs> I remember that. That's the cold day of the year. My off, Baird. It was like negative thirty degrees. <laughs> yes, <it was> like, <laughs> I remember you telling me about that. I'm doing it for the people. I'm doing it this for this channel. Minnesota for <laughs> people. Sakes. <laughs> be cold for two hours. It's okay. Hey, Mike. What's up? We need to play that submarine game. U boot. Yeah, I want to show you my sextant. <laughs> I need an adult, please. <laughs> Are there any on here? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs>